The following recording is a presentation of the Berean Baptist Church of Rohnert Park, California, and of Pastor Val Mark Smith. We are an independent Baptist congregation committed to the accurate presentation of the historical doctrines of the faith. We welcome your visit to our services anytime here in the Rohnert Park area. Uh, we're gonna, I'm going to preach a message tonight. I actually preached this once before, and um, when Pastor asked me if I would take care of tonight's service for him, I, I, um, I came across this, this old message and, and thought, you know, this is, this is something that I think we need to revisit, something we need to think about again. And uh, my message tonight is entitled, Live in the Moment. And um, let's pray before we get started. Father, thank you for this time we have together. I pray now, Holy Spirit, that you would give me wisdom, give me the words to speak. I pray that you would use what's said tonight to stir the hearts of your people, to serve you, Lord, and to, to do all the things that you've called us to do. Help us to not become enamored by this world, but help us to remember who we are and why we're here. So help us, Lord, to learn to live in the moment. Help us to learn to, to live for your glory and to your honor. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I've been saved for 35 years. And I've served in the ministries of the local church for the same amount of time. Um, I've seen many changes in our Christian circles during the past 35 years. Much as our world has changed, so have the collective body of Christians in America changed. The, 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 the emphasis of Christianity in our nation has changed over the past 35 years, much in, in line with the world. I, I saw an illustration years ago how uh, you'd say, well, the, here's the world and, and here are the Bible believers. And, of course, over the past 35 years, the world has moved farther and farther and farther and farther and farther this way. But Christianity has kept its distance, but it's now where the world used to be. Rather than Christianity staying closer to God and remaining close to God and let the world go where it's going to go, we haven't done that. Um, we've, we've, we've kept our distance, but we find ourselves now where the world used to be. And that has become a problem for our churches across this country, for the liberties that we have as believers. Um, you don't have to be too old tonight to to realize and understand that we've a lot of the liberties we used to have as, as, as Christians are gone. And we don't have them anymore. And we now live in a, in a, in a world that doesn't tolerate. They preach tolerance, doesn't they? The world preaches tolerance all the time. Tolerate the, the Islamics. Tolerate uh, Allah. Tolerate all the... But there's no tolerance for the, for the Christian. There's no tolerance for the Bible in our world. So we, we see this. Life has become far more hectic and, and more demanding. Skyrocketing costs of, for food and housing and, and, and gasoline and the necessities that we must have have, have have infringed upon the family. More and more mothers are in the workforce because they simply can't afford not to be. Children are growing up being being raised by daycare centers and by complete strangers and 
They're being taught principles and morals that may not be our own. The five-day work week has, has been expanded to six, or in many cases, seven days a week. The eight-hour workday now requires a 12-hour commitment when you consider the commuting and all of the other things that go along with it. And in addition to, to all of this, many believers have become caught up in the materialism of this world. We are convinced that we desperately need bigger houses. We need faster and, and more luxurious automobiles. We have to go on the most exclusive vacations. We need to have the largest bank accounts. And we need to have the most well-funded retirement accounts. And if all of these things mean that we have to be less dedicated and less devoted to the church and the ministry of God, then so be it. Even the elect of the Lord in far too many cases today equate happiness to material possessions or to personal gratification. And it seems that the more we attain in our nation, the more we want. The more we have, the more we desire. We're not content or happy with what we have. Proverbs chapter 27 and verse 20, Solomon states, Hell and destruction are never full, so the eyes of man are never satisfied. And we aren't. To a large degree, far too few people really know what true contentment is. And we'll, we'll talk about that a little bit tonight. But people just aren't happy and they're unhappy because of their economic or financial conditions or situations in their lives. And they're driven away from God by these things. And the sad thing is that after many years of pursuit, we will learn that the things of this world will never bring true happiness. They will never satisfy the believer. We must know that God will give us what God wants us to have. In Hebrews chapter 13 and verse 5, we read, Let your conversation be without covetousness, and be content with, with such things as ye have. For he hath said, I will never leave thee, nor forsake thee. I read some commentary notes on this verse written by John Gill, and he states, Be content with present things. Be content with present riches or with present poverty, with present losses and crosses, with present reproaches and afflictions. And contentment with these things shows itself by thankfulness for every mercy and by submission to the will and providence of God in every state of life. I've come across so many people who claim to be children of God who are so unhappy. They're just not content. They're not happy. They want, they want better living conditions. They want better circumstances. They want better situations. And, and please, don't misunderstand me. I, I desire to have good things for my wife. It, 
It breaks my heart at times when I can't provide for her some of the things I know that she would desire. When I look at our unsaved family and, and see how, how they are, seem to be prosperous at times and, and because she and I have made decisions over the years to keep ourselves in serving the Lord, we don't have all the things that we could have had perhaps, but we have everything God wants us to have. And we have each other. And heaven's my home. And this world may treat me poorly. This world may hate me. This world may despise me. But I have a Father in heaven who loves me. And he's just telling me every day, Son, just bide your time. I'm watching you. You're in my hand. You're safe. And true contentment, what... What, Gillis, what John Gill is saying is true contentment shows itself in a life that's thankful to God for His mercy and for His grace. And that alone, we need nothing else. Now, in the verses that I cited as our passage tonight, Jesus admonishes the believers that have come to Him. He's admonishing them to avoid the snare of the devil, to, to avoid the sin of, of doubting and tempting God. Three times the Lord states, take no thought. In Matthew chapter 6, verse 25, he says, take no thought for your life. In verse 31, he says, therefore take no thought, saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or wherewithal shall we be clothed? In verse 34, he states, take therefore no thought for the morrow. Life, food, clothing, future, these are the focus of most people, if not all men. And certainly we do need these things. However, God has promised to provide us with them, has he not? So to distress or to concern ourselves with them is to express doubt in the Lord. It is to question his ability and to question his integrity to keep his promises to us. It is to tempt his anger and his wrath in the same. Therefore, we are warned not to be like the unbelievers. For Jesus said, for after all these things do the Gentiles seek. Now everyone here tonight is living within time. Each of us here, we're all living within time. But what time are we living? Uh, you see, some tonight live in the past. Some live, live uh, dwelling on past accomplishments. And, and uh, they, they look at what they've done and what what they've accomplished in the past, and they, they count that as enough. I have people come up to me sometimes, and, and they'll say, well, you know, I would teach a Sunday school class. I, I would uh, teach a Pioneer Club class. I, I would do something here. I, I would do that, except I've already done enough. Let someone else do something. Well, you know what? You're living on what you did yesterday. That's the past. Some people live on past failures. Some people are controlled by past failures. Some people have, have, have tried to do something for the Lord and failed. And, and because of their failure, they, they're afraid to step forward and do something else for the Lord. And the devil uses that against you. The devil will come to you and say, who do you think you are? Wait, what do you think? He'll, he'll, he'll come to me. Who do you think you are standing behind a pulpit and preaching? Huh? Who do you think you are, Dalton Abshire? You think you're some hot shot guy? You think you're some big shot? And he'll use, he'll use the mistake. He'll point out our mistakes. 
He'll throw them right, he'll throw them right up in your face and, and he'll say, look at what you are. And he'll use those. And some people are hindered by that. Some people are stuck by their past failures. Others are, 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 are living on past problems. Oh, no, you know, I tried that once, and boy, it didn't work out so well, man. I had a, oh, I was in a, I was in a real mess for quite a while. Well, you know, when, let me just say, when we do things not in the will of God, and when we do things not in, under the power of God, we are subject to failure. We are subject to problems. But when we come to the Lord and earnestly desire to serve him, and we, we give him our hearts and we, we, we live our lives, we're not to worry about the past. Paul tells us that in Philippians chapter 3, in verse 13, he said, Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those which are before. I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. And Paul had a past, do you hear me? He had a past. He murdered Jews. He murdered, he murdered believers. He hunted, he hunted them down. He sought them out. He cast them into prison. And he, he saw them stoned. He, he stood by. When, stone, when Stephen was stoned, he stood by and held the coats of the men that stoned Stephen to death. And Paul had a past. And he had a past that could have kept him from, from coming to or receiving or following the Lord. But he didn't allow that to happen. And neither should we. What is done is done, and we cannot change it. Now, we should learn from the past. We should make note of the mistakes we've made and not repeat them. But we can't, I can't go back and undo anything I've done. I wish I could, but I can't. But there's something good to know here, and that is that it has been forgiven and forgotten by God. Therefore, let us remember them no more. But then, there are others tonight who live in the future. They live in the future of what will be, or what might be, or what can be. Well, living in the future is just as bad as living in the past. Uh, Some people come to me and say, well, you know, I'm going to. I'm going to. I'm going to do more for God. I'm going to, uh, you know, some, someone sings nice and I'll go talk to them. Hey, why don't you join the choir? Yeah, I'm thinking about it. I'm thinking about it. Yeah, you're living in the future. You're pushing it out. You're pushing it away. You're saying, yeah, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. But the, the, the sad reality is we very rarely ever do it. We just keep making excuses and we just keep pushing it out. Solomon warned us about being so foolish as to, th- as to think that we can, we can plan our own future. In Proverbs 27.1, he says, Boast not thyself of tomorrow, for thou knowest not what a day may bring forth. James also echoes this truth. In James chapter 4, verses 13 and 15, he says, Go to now, ye that say, Today or tomorrow we will go into such a city, and continue there a year, and buy and sell and get gain. He writes, Whereas ye know not what shall be on the morrow, for what is your life? It is even a vapor that appeareth for a little time and vanisheth away. For that ye ought to say, If the Lord will, 
we shall live and do this or do that. Now, don't get me wrong here. I'm not saying you should be, should be foolish with, with the things that you have and, and as far as making sure that you are prepared for the future. I mean, the Lord did command us to consider the ant and to look at the ant, how industrious he is and how he stores up his food for, for the winter and how he, he, he does live his life disciplined so that, so that he is prepared for the, for the hard times to come. And there's, there's a lot to be said about that. But we're not to live, we're not to, to devote ourselves to, to the future. We're not to, we're not to be stuck in the past. We're to live today. We're to live in the moment. This is where God wants us to live right now. He wants you to do what you can do now. Solomon said, Whatsoever thy hand findeth to do, do it with thy might. For there is no work in the grave whither thou goest. And, and we have to do our work now. Jesus said, I must work the works of him that sent me while it is day for the night cometh when no man can work. And, and we need to be using the life that God has given us right now to serve him. Right now to, to glory. Now is the time to, to love your children. Now is the time to teach them. Now is the time to instruct them. To guide them. Now is the time, grandparents, of which I am one, to, to, to give everything you can to, to helping your grandchildren grow up to know the Lord and, and, and to be good, uh, uh, good Christians and serve in the local church. All these things. Now is the time to do it. Now, husbands, is the time to love your wives. Now, wives, is the time to devote yourself to your husbands. Now, um, church member, is the time to love your church. Now is the time to serve in, this lo- in your local church. Now is the time to give your strength. Now is the time to give your treasure. Now is the time to give your talent. I hope I'm alive tomorrow. But I don't know that I will be. I may pillow my head tonight. and I may never see another day on this terrestrial ball. But I know where I'll be. So I don't live in fear of the future, and I don't live in regret of the past. I live in the moment. (laughs) I live for now. My goal tonight is to help each one of us here see that we must live in the moment. We must live in today. Now, I have three things I want to say (laughs) that will help us to overcome our natural tendencies to, to, to try to fret or worry or, or, or contemplate or, or, or whatever it is over the past. I have three things I, I want to share with you. So I'll do those as quickly as I can. I hope to get us out of here at a reasonable hour. So you didn't laugh, so you're not excited. Okay, number one, embrace the right perspectives. Each one of us should embrace the right perspectives. In Matthew 6, 31 and 32, we read, Therefore take no thought, saying, What shall ye eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we be clothed? For after all these things do the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knoweth that ye have need of all these things. Uh, this is a matter of philosophies. It's, it's right thinking. And to do this, to change the way we think, will mean a total change 
a transformation in our minds. In Romans chapter 12, Paul reminds us, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, (laughs) which is your reasonable service, and be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Jesus said that the Gentiles, the unbelievers, seek to satisfy their lust for, for material things. And as I stated earlier, we are programmed to this behavior. <laughs> In America, we are, we are programmed to that. We are, we are bombarded by this philosophy. But we need to have the right perspectives. We need to look at things in the right way. Now, I want you to realize that this behavior is predominantly American. This, this behavior tonight of, 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 of thinking about our physical needs is predominantly an American philosophy. Do you realize that children in, in Kenya tonight are not dreaming about a new bike or a PS4 or a skateboard. You realize that? Those children are not dreaming about those things tonight. They're not, they're not, worried, about, they're not worried about, hey, are my jeans going to be popular in school? Am I wearing the right cut of jeans? Do I have, do I have expensive enough shoes on? Hmm? Am I popular with all the kids in the school? They don't worry about those things. And, and their parents... Their parents are not sitting around the kitchen table sipping a a latte, planning their next vacation. They're not they're not trying to get a promotion at work so they can upgrade to a bigger house or or buy that, that new car that they've been dreaming about. No, 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 no. They're going to bed tonight and they're hoping to find enough food tomorrow to survive for one more day. They're hoping that they or their children won't be eaten by a lion or or, or shot by a a fascist. They're they're clinging to to life. So, you see, I want us to understand tonight, this attitude that that we have in America is predominantly uh, an American philosophy. We we, we sit in in our sealed houses with locks and with heat, or, 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 or with, with air conditioning, and we're sheltered from the rain, and we're sheltered from the, from the I mean, what was it, uh, um, our, our Kenyan brother there was talking about the chiggers. These poor people are being eaten up by chiggers. When's the last time you, you went to bed at, at night and were worried about chiggers eating you? I'm not even sure what a chigger is. But if they have them in the South, we probably eat them. So we're not so worried about them. You see, we've got to watch our attitudes. You know, what did, Jesus, how, what did Jesus teach his disciples to pray? Give us this day our yearly bread. That what, is that what Jesus taught his disciples? Give me, Lord, give me today, Lord, that promotion at work so that I can double my 401k. So I can retire like a king and never have to do anything. No, Jesus said, give us this day. 
our daily bread. You know, I, th- I came to realize that several years ago, and it changed the way I pray. Every morning, before, as, I, as I'm going to work, I pray every day, Lord, prosper me today. Help me today to do what I need to do. Bless me this day, and I'll praise and glorify you. I'll worry about, you know what? I'll worry about tomorrow, tomorrow. And I'm not worried about yesterday, because it's gone. But I'm, gonna, I'm just going to accept whatever God has given me today, and live in the moment. When we understand and live with, with this perspective, then we will be able to accomplish the task of taking no thought. Jesus told us not to worry about that for a reason. It's because he's already promised he'd take care of us. So the question is, do you trust Jesus? Do you trust him to provide everything you need to have? Are you willing to work as hard as you can? Are you willing to to glorify and honor him every day and trust that every day he will give you what you need and what he wants you to have? Folks, I'm going to tell you, I've been faced with this reality. You know, I was spoiled. Confession is good for the soul. I, I worked in this building every day for, for 17 years and I interacted with children all day long and had everything I, I wanted and everything I needed and for the past two and a half years it hasn't been that way and I've had to learn. I've had to learn to be content. And I'm here to stand, I'm, I'm, I'm standing here tonight and I'm telling you, you can trust God because he will never let you down. Now, your wanter might be too big. Your wanter might just be too big. I want, I want, I want, I want, I want. God says, no, here's what you need. And here's what I'll give you. Do you appreciate what he's given you? Are you thankful for what he's given you? We must have the right perspective. But then number two, let me just say this. Adopt the right priorities. Adopt the right priorities. Matthew 6.33 But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. You see, we've got to have the right priorities. It's been my observation, after 35 years in ministry, it's been my observation that people live for God as long as everything in their life is going good. But as soon as things start falling apart, so goes their faith. We have to understand that we must prioritize the things in our lives. God must come first in all things. And if we don't put God first in all things, we are going to wake up one day and discover that God has moved way down the list 
everything. Everything needs to start with Jesus and move out from there. He has to be the first thing that we consider in our lives. He's top priority. This was the testimony of Job. In Job chapter 23, we read, My foot hath held his steps, his way have I kept and not declined, neither have I gone back from the commandment of his lips. I have esteemed the words of his mouth more than my necessary food. Yet today, many Christians place their personal happiness and their own fulfillment above the things of the Lord. Church attendance, tithing, obedience, these things become a matter of convenience rather than a matter of conviction. Marriage, family, fidelity, these have been replaced by divorce, desertion, and infidelity, things that are a disgrace to the Lord. Honesty, integrity, dependability have given way to lies, laziness, and selfishness. And all of this causes men to doubt and to mistrust the Lord. And their mistrust is placed, is misplaced because it's being caused by their own foolishness. They do not exhibit faith in God because their priorities are misplaced. Joseph, he lived for God under the most discouraging of conditions. Moses chose God over the throne of Egypt. Joshua and Caleb went into the promised land and they saw things no one else saw because they looked with eyes of faith and they trusted in God to give them all the things that he said he would give them. Paul finished his course and remained faithful unto his own death. Christ has admonished us to take no thought. And if we are going to accomplish this, we're going to have to have the right perspectives. And we're going to have to have the right priorities. I'm not trying to offend anyone, but take a look around us tonight. Pews are empty. Why are they empty? Because of misplaced priorities. Well, I've got to, I've got to get this done. It's, it's Sunday's my only day. What about Monday? Oh, I work on Monday. Oh, okay. So your job is more important than God. How about take a day of vacation? Oh, uh, I can't do that. Why? You take a day of vacation when you don't come to church. And we think God understands. Well, I'm here to tell you he doesn't. I'm here to tell you he doesn't understand. And I'm here to tell you he doesn't like it. And I'm here to tell you that he has put nations into bondage over this very issue of, of forsaking the Lord's day. Hmm? But lest those of us who are sitting in pews get to feeling too good about ourselves... You see, if you're sitting there and saying, well, I'm here, brother. Yeah, well, you just sinned. You just, you just exhibited pride. 
So don't get to thinking too big about yourself either. Because I'm only here tonight because of the grace of God. Not because of me. And if you want to be honest, that's the only reason you're here too. So we've got to be careful, but we've got to have the right priorities. God comes first. God comes in your marriage. God is first. Love your husbands. Love your wives. That doesn't mean you're, never, you're not going to ever have bumpy roads. Any man who would sit in this room tonight and tell me he's never gotten in a fight with his wife, you are a dirty liar. You're, you're a liar. And any woman who, hasn't said, who, who says, I've never wished that my husband would disappear, is also a liar. But love each other. You know, I've, I've made mistakes in, in, in our married life. I've, I've, never, I've never done anything. I've never been in, in unfaithful or anything like that to my wife. But... I've done some stupid things, and she's called me on them. She's done some stupid things, and I've never called her on them once. Someone at work asked me, how did you stay married for 35 years? I said, my wife is always right. But husbands, love your wives. And wives, love your husbands more than your children. Love your children, but listen, your children are going to grow up and go away. So they say, I've yet to see it. But, <laughs> but in theory, they're going to grow up and go away. So it's just going to be you and him. If, if you spend years tearing apart your marriage over your children, your children are going to leave and you're going to have nothing left. So husbands love your wives. Wives love your husbands. Parents love your children. If they mess up, if they make a mistake, call them on it. But then love them. How many mistakes have you made? Let me ask you, has God ever forsaken you? You're his child. Has he ever kicked you out? Has he ever counted you as worthless? No. He definitely lets us know he's not happy with what we've done. But he loves us. And he continues to love us. Have the right priorities. Make God everything in your life. I've tried to spend your life centered with Christ in the center, revolving around his work, and may I say his work is the church. But then I must finish. Number three, fulfill the right purpose. Embrace the right perspectives. Adopt the right priorities. And fulfill the right purpose. Matthew 6, 24. No man can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will hold to the one and despise the other. Ye cannot serve God and mammon. Now, if we will have the faith to trust in the Lord, we will have to live our life in fulfillment of God's purpose for us. So let me ask the question. What is God's purpose for me and you? Well, the answer certainly would vary, but I think we all have a common purpose, 
And that's found in Ecclesiastes chapter 12 and verse 13, where Solomon says, Let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. Fear God and keep His commandments. This is the whole duty of man. Love God and obey Him. This is our purpose. Now I realize that we as humans want to believe that we are far more important than that. We want to believe that, that God's universe just could not function without us. But Solomon, the man endued with wisdom from God, shoots us down and brings us down to earth. God does not have some earth-shattering purpose for you and me. It all comes down to this. Fear God, love Him, respect Him, honor Him, and obey Him. Praise Him, worship Him, glorify Him. Everything you say, everything you do, should demonstrate respect for God and obedience to His Word. It comes down to as simple as that. But we live our lives often like amnesiastic morons. We forget about God, we forget about His Word, we, 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 we chase after our heart, we chase, that, we chase after our lusts, we, we do all these ridiculous things, and then we come to our senses and wake up and say, whoa, I messed up. And we chase after all the wrong things in life and, and we, we run away from the things that we need. Now don't get me wrong, I, I'm not trying to, I'm not trying to, to say that, that God doesn't have a purpose for each of us. And when I say that his, he has no earth-shattering purpose, I, what I'm trying to say is that you and I uh, have a very simple purpose in, in our lives for God, and, and that is, as I said, it's to respect, honor, love, and obey Him. To glorify Him by everything we do and everything we say and everything we are. When people look at, at you, they should say, well, wow, that's an honest, hardworking, moral, faithful person. They shouldn't they shouldn't have occasion to accuse you of being dishonest or unethical or immoral. These things should not be named among the children of God. In Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 1, Paul says, I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you that ye walk worthy of the vocation wherewith you were called. And this calling is important in the will of the Lord. It is important. God's calling to you is important. It's the most important thing in your life. And it should be the purpose in your life to fulfill the calling of the Lord. The purpose of your life should not be to amass great amounts of money, to own great properties, to be um, socially important or any of these things. We should dwell at peace with all men. We should seek to, to honor and glorify the name of the Father and be good and upstanding citizens and all these other things. But our purpose is to glorify God. And one day we're going to stand before the Lord and, and, and some men are going to come before God and they're going, to, they're going to be dragging with them all their accomplishments and all the things they did. And they're going to want to say, Lord, look at this. And 
Oh, Father, you see what I did? I, I built this, this big cathedral in your name, Lord. See that? Isn't that great? No. And God's going to say, yes, but you failed in your purpose. I don't want to fail in my purpose. My purpose is to love the Father. And my purpose is to glorify Him. And I don't want to fail in that. I think there's too many men running around this country wanting to grab glory for themselves. But do you realize, Paul, as Paul said, but by the grace of God, I am what I am. And Paul understood and realized that it was all about God, not about him. And Paul could stand and he could look at the Lord and he could say, I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. Can you say that? Can I say that? Can, if we had to stand before God right now, could we say, I have finished all the work you laid before me. I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. You know, I wish I could. But I could. But I don't have to live in defeat, remember? I'm not going to dwell in the past. And I'm not going to I'm not going to be foolish and look toward the future and say, "Oh, I'm going to be I'm going to do I'm going to I'm going to going to going to." No, I'm I'm good. My daddy used to tell me something. When I messed up and he punished me, I'd say, "Daddy, I'm going to I'm going to do this." And I'm, my daddy used to say, "Don't tell me what you're going to do. Show me what you've done." And that's what we need to do. We need to stop talking about what we're going to do and just start doing it. Now I realize most of what I said tonight needs to be heard by those that aren't here. So I have to pray and hope the internet reaches them somehow. But I can tell you this, I do know that no truth of God ever preached falls on on wasted ears. We all need what we hear. We cannot serve the Lord and live for ourselves. God demands all of us. In Deuteronomy chapter 10, verses 12 and 13, we read, And now, Israel, what doth the Lord thy God require of thee? But to fear the Lord thy God, to walk in his ways, to love him. Isn't that what I just said? Isn't that what Solomon taught us? That we are to fear the Lord our God, walk in his ways, obey him, and to love him. And to serve the Lord thy God with all thy heart and with all thy soul. To keep the commandments of the Lord and his statutes, which I command thee this day for thy good. Matthew 6.34 Take therefore no thought for the morrow, for the morrow shall take thought for the things of itself. Sufficient unto the day is the evil thereof. Live in the moment. Get the right perspectives. Life is not about houses, cars, retirement accounts. It's about the Lord our God. Set the right priorities. God first, everything and everyone else second. Live with the right purpose. Fear the Lord. Obey his commandments. Love him with all of our hearts, all of our mind, and all of our soul. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this time. I thank you, Lord, that you've 
you've given us this, this place to serve. That you, I thank you, Lord, you've given us a purpose. And, and that you've, you've called us. And that you've equipped us. That you've given us the ability to do what you called us to do. So, Lord, I pray that you'd help each of us to transform our, our minds, to transform our thinkings, to, to, Lord, to, to establish the right perspectives, and, Father, to uh, follow the right, set the right priorities, and, 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 Father, just fulfill the right purpose in our lives. Bless us, I ask. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to this presentation of the Berean Baptist Church of Rohnert Park, California. If you would like further information about our church, please feel free to call us at area code 707-584-7275 or write to us at Berean Baptist Church, 6298 Country Club Drive, Rohnert Park, California, 94928. Additionally, you may visit us on the World Wide Web at www.bebaptist.org.